Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Enrico, Enrico is back from Africa and I wanted him to give an account for what he and the Lord did while they were in Africa. Don't you think that that's important? Enrico, share with us real quickly. All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, so uh, this is not Wakanda. This is Uganda. Okay? All right? Praise the Lord. So I got eight to ten minutes to share some excitements. Uh, So God really blessed on this trip. Um, it started out exciting, it ended exciting. So let me take you through this trip. So on our way there, we're getting ready to go. All of a sudden, a hurricane and a uh, storm comes through Polk County. And so the day that we're leaving, everybody and their mom is calling saying, oh, y'all not going to go, oh, this and that is going to happen. But the Lord says we were going to go. So I was like, hey, I got to stop answering phone calls and everything because I don't want to hear nothing negative. God says we're going to go. We're going to go. So all of a sudden, the, one of the guys on the team, I made sure everybody had their paperwork, get to my house, and all of a sudden, the visa for one person, they got the approval letter, but they don't have the actual thing that you need to give to them in Uganda. And so there's this young guy here. I don't know if y'all know a guy named Mick. But this guy is a computer guy. He gets on the computer at my house, and and the guy is like, oh, we're trying to find all of this information. And all of a sudden, Mick is like a secretary. He's going back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, he pulls the information up. We get the guy's information. Okay, we sit. We go to Uganda. We get there. Everything starts happening. But the Bible talks about count it all joy when all these different persecutions come against you. We knew that we were there for a reason. Two guys went with us, and and people for concern was like, are you sure God says for them to go? And I says, I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and God says they were going to have an encounter with Jesus when they got there. They were saved, but they were going to go to another level. And let me tell you, when they ministered, God moved. One brother had never ministered before in his life. And all he was doing is praying. And he got there and he ministered and it was from God. We get there. The guy, uh, uh, we, we go in. We're ministering. We're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people get healed. God is just moving. Then our driver almost got arrested coming to pick us up. And we're just like, okay, it's, it's, it's getting good. It's getting good. We're heading up north, five hours ride. We get stopped three times by the police. Each time the cops stopped and say, oh, you don't have this. They took care of that. We drive about an hour and a half later. We get stopped again. Now, we're going to get to the thing about souls because we know that with all of this stuff happening, God is going to do something miraculous. No, you don't fear. You don't sit there and say, oh, uh, I'm not preaching. Sorry. You don't fear. 
You don't worry about it. You just keep going, trusting God. So we get stopped the second time. Second time we get stopped, same thing. Oh, you don't have this, you don't have that. We ought to stop y'all from going, but we're going to let you go. When you get back to town, you need to do this and this. The guy had it on his phone, but they, they wouldn't receive that. So they give him a ticket. We go hour and a half further up. We get stopped again. And this time they say, hey, all we want is some money. Give us some money and y'all can go. Okay. Pastor gave him some money. We went on. We get up there. People are waiting on us. We go up, we're sharing the gospel, we're loving on kids. I'm saying, you got people from Rwanda, Sudan, and uh, Somalia out in the bush that are coming there. We've already put four wells in Uganda. We're putting the fifth one next month there. And these wells are places where the people will come and, and it, from the surrounding villages that don't know Jesus, but because they have to ride bikes five miles and eight miles to get fresh water, or they have to go to holes where there are crocodiles and stuff and get water. But us putting a well in the village at a church, people that wouldn't normally come there because they're coming to get water, they come there and they hear the gospel and they get food. So we're ministering to these people and we minister, people getting saved, people getting healed, everything is happening. The next day we went there, we ministered, people get saved, everything is going good. We drive by this little kid, and the pastor said, take a picture of the kid. Took a picture of the little kid. We go about a couple of miles up the road. Now, the team in the van, I recognized what was happening. The driver recognized what was happening. The two pastors behind me recognized what was happening. The rest of the team didn't know what was happening. So we go around this corner, and when we come out this bend, a group of men walk out. One had a hammer. And they walk out, and they stop the van. Stop, stop, stop. And so I know what's going on. And I'm like, Lord, you told us to come here. I'm going to trust you. I know you're going to take care of this. Now, the old man want to get out and get down. <laughs> but the old man did. Hey! Mm. Whoo, man. <laughs> okay, I, well, I got two more minutes, three more, five more. Okay, okay. So the old man's dead. So they come up to the vehicle, and the pastor, the guy, the guy driving, he started erasing the pictures. He said, you know, when that little boy yelled, you know, like a gator call, when a gator go, ooh! He wanted his mama, the little boy, made a yell, and he signaled the people because when the pastor took his picture, he thought they took his soul. And so they was like, hey, you took my son's soul, basically. You coming up here, so pastor erased all the pictures. But then what he did, he says, hey, see that guy right there? 
He says, they are here because they're putting wells in our community, in, in the village, so you don't have to drive so many miles to get water, but you can come here and you can get the water and blah, 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 blah. And as he's talking to them, I'm just sitting there chill. As he's talking to them, all of a sudden they start smiling. And then they walked away laughing. <laughs> and then the pastor, another one, opened the door and said something to them, and they walked away rejoicing, glad that a well was being put there. But the enemy could have put fear on everybody. Oh, Lord, they're going to beat us down. They're going to beat us down. But no, it was, it was God allowed the ones that needed to see it to see it. And the ones that didn't need to see it, he didn't allow them to see it. He had them preoccupied. So we get there. We do that. We get through. We get to, yeah, we got to eat some locusts. I didn't get the wild honey. But we, it was good, I'm going to tell you. So we get to our hotel, and the whole hotel room, my hotel rooms, um, Jeff's hotel, Charles' hotel room, all of them were full of locusts. It was 40 or more locusts in my bedroom. You had to sleep in a net. And in the bathroom, it was 40 or so locusts. You know, you're trying to use the bathroom, and you're, hey! You know. <laughs> Are you trying? <laughs> I'm sorry. And they got trying to shower and they're everywhere. So you get in the net and you go to sleep. We wake up the next morning, all the guys, it was maybe one or two locusts in the rooms. I was like, okay, God, okay. All right, man, everything is happening in this trip. So we're going back now, five hours back. We get stopped by this cop that's like a general. He stops us. Now it really gets excited. He said, hey, we're going to confiscate your van. So he puts a police officer in our van with us, got me in the back, and we riding in the cop just sitting there just talking or whatever. We go to the police station or the holding yard, and, and, and there's a couple other vehicles there, and they say, you're going to have to get all y'all stuff out of here. We're keeping this van. It's not going anywhere, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So we were doing another revival, our team, so the pastor had another vehicle come and pick us up, but we prayed about that vehicle. When we got there, the enemy was trying to stop us from getting to another revival. This was a pastor's conference. People got saved, healed, delivered everything at this conference, but I'm going to show you something. Obedience to God. If we wouldn't have got there, we wouldn't have been able to do what happened. So everybody ministered. God is moving. Then I get up to share, and you know how God is. He gives you stuff that you like, say what? And so I'm ministering, and there's ministers there. There's pastors there, and all of a sudden, I stop sharing Psalms 23, and God says, I want you to call this out. And so I look at the men and I say, hey, this is what God is saying. You're not treating your wives right. And you're going out there preaching. You're going out there doing this and that. And God is saying, before you can go and preach to others, you need to take care of your wives. You need to be the right father and the husband and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm saying that and I'm like, okay, glory to God. So the women start cheering and I say, oh, no, it's not done yet. God says, you need to be... And, and he just gave all of this stuff. It was correction. But when it was done and I had them bow their heads, guess what? They responded. Men repented. Women repented. 
People came back to the Lord that had backslid. People that never knew Jesus came to the Lord. And then we prayed for people to be healed and delivered. And the people say, oh, we got healed or we got delivered. A lady came up and said, you prayed for me in 2019. I was delivered from AIDS. I was healed from AIDS. Another person came up and said, my baby, they said I was going to lose my baby. It was bind up in my stomach. My baby here right now. But God moved over and over and over. And then the pastor came up and said, brother, that was God. You didn't even know all that was happening. And people said, oh, well, you don't supposed to correct. The devil is a liar. There's a time for rebuke, correct, reprove. There's a time for exaltation. All of that's in the Bible. So anyway, we saw souls saved. We saw people healed. We saw people delivered. That was one of the best trips ever. And it came with us having to have patience and us having to go through the tribulations and trials of ministry. You got to count it all joy and you got to recognize this ain't a game. This ain't a joke. One day it might go somewhere and it might cost me my life, but my life is not my life. It's his. He saved me from drugs and everything. Not for me to stay home. I'm just a homebody. And you can be killed here in the U.S. So don't think, well, I won't go across seas because they won't kill me. You can get killed at the market store. At your house. The thing is, don't worry about dying. Give your life to the Lord. Let him use you and see the souls come to the Lord. Thank the church for those that donated money, that, that helped out. There were a few people gave. Thank you all. Thank everybody for the prayers. Marie says, God says a fountain is going to flow out of you, a river going to flow out of you. And then y'all put a picture up there. And let me tell you, even me, I felt going to another level just from being there. God bless you. We love you. Uh, Pastor Dave Vesper. There's nothing that makes my heart, and I believe the heart of Jesus, more happy than to see the supply of grace in every individual in this body. This is not about a select or elite group. This is about every member putting in their supply of grace, and it's beautiful to see. We love it. So, it's my privilege to introduce to you our speaker this morning. I have a lot of good things to say. I don't want to embarrass you too much. Um, we have an amazing staff here at the church. If you don't know them, Amen. you need to get to know them. They, they have amazing hearts and the deposit of grace in their lives is very beautiful. Allison, whenever I think of you, I think of a person that has a good and honest heart before the Lord. It's very beautiful and it's very inspiring and you lift me to a higher level and I know a lot of people would say that. We all know that she has a, a beautiful grace on her for worship and I'm excited that she's here to share her heart this morning. So come on up. Let's give her a welcome. Good morning. Let me fix this microphone before I'm distracted the whole time with it. I'm not going to be long-winded. I feel like part one was Enrico. Doesn't he kill it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm going to pray for myself. <laughs> if you guys can help me with that. It's really, for me, I feel really comfortable in front of people, so it's not that. But speaking is a whole other thing. So um, I have a lot of respect for Dave, Barry, and Brandon when they do this, prepare messages. Uh, Barry was saying last week, he's like, yeah, I got my message at 3 in the morning on Saturday. And I was like, please, Lord. 
not my turn like that, Lord. <laughs> but no, I, had, I feel like I had grace this week. But if you could just agree with me, Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. You're here. We know that. Even the songs that we're singing, that your pleasure is over us, your smile. God, and we thank you for that. What a privilege this is for me, Lord, to bring your word. And I pray, God, that I would be clear. Lord, that things would be on people's hearts and would stay with them throughout the week. No confusion in Jesus' name. And just clarity, Lord. God, would you change our hearts and draw us closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, two things people ask me a lot most recently in life is, one, how are you and the baby now that you're a mom of three? That's one. And then two, uh, when's the next worship album coming out? So I'm going to answer both of those really briefly before I start on the message here is with the worship album, we have songs and we are so excited for that. We're just in the process of talking to a producer about getting all of that figured out for a time. But I'm believing for next year, hopefully in the first part, the first six months of that year. So I'll keep you posted on that. Isn't that exciting though? Like the Lord's really breathing songs. Like I, you've heard some of them that we've been doing. Um, like Offering of Praise was one we did recently. A Treasure, Carissa led recently. There's some beautiful songs that our team is writing. And so I'm, I feel like this urgency, like we gotta get these out. Like this is the heartbeat of what our church wants to say. This is what we wanna tell Jesus. People need to hear this. So. I'll keep you posted as I find out more about we're in, in talks and negotiating and all that fun stuff with our producers. So that's coming. And number two, um, how am I doing? How's the baby? Baby's really good. She's right there in the front row. I'm going to try not to get distracted if I hear her. Um, I'm doing well. Like, it's, it's been a journey. I was um, joking with Brandon because even this week was kind of funny. I have three kids now. Um, so you don't have enough hands. All of you moms of multiples understand me. It's like when one thing's happening, with two, you can kind of manage it easier. When three, it's just a whole new ball game. So moms, you get me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I have a couple things that have just changed in me since I've become a mom of three. I was going to share these with you, and um, I think parents can understand me on this, but first baby, you buy all the things. You got like the container for the pacifier. And it goes inside there with the wipes just in case it falls out, right? Okay, third baby, it's like the passy falls. I lick it off, it build immunity. <laughs> I mean, this is real. Like, we're good, we're good, everybody's good. I'm sure those germs will help you. Um, first baby, or well, I guess this is just like processing through life, but um, daylight savings time comes around. This was really recent. You have the fall back. Everyone's like, yes, an extra hour of sleep. This is so exciting, but all the parents actually know what that means. Everyone else gets your extra hour. Your kids don't know. <laughs> they wake up at the same time, so you're getting up at five instead of six. So it means nothing, <laughs> um, just in case you're wondering. Um, first kid, I really cared about their style. I like style. It's creativity. But man, <laughs> third kid around, I'm like, does it fit? Does it have any poop stains on it? All right, we're good. <laughs> and then... Um, when you go to the pediatrician, I was laughing with Leah about this, which she could probably speak into more than me. When they ask you all the birthdays, anyone ever struggle with this? And maybe it's just me. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, man, um, 11, 28, like if you're listing all three, I'm like, do I even know my children? It takes every last brain cell for me to get those dates right. And then a full night's sleep may happen once or twice a year on Mother's Day or my birthday. Um, so don't mind me if I take a few more seconds than normal to answer questions that are really basic. So y'all pray for me this morning. <laughs> um, I'm getting some sleep. It's not crazy. Uh, I was laughing. I don't know if Joe Murphy's here today, but he was talking to me the other day. 
And he looked at me, and he was just, you know, starting a conversation, asking how I'm doing. He goes, so what's, uh, what's your newest one's name? And this was me. Uh, Cadence. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm, bless him. He was so kind to me. He was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You're fine. You're fine. But anyway, so I, I'm sort of in my right mind right now, but also have a little bit of lack of sleep. So you know that it is the total grace of God speaking through me today. Amen. All right, so speaking of minds, if you're taking notes, if you're one of those kind of people, then the title of my message is called, I'm Not Losing My Mind. All right, I'm serious. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not losing my mind. Some of y'all are like, y'all made me lose my mind. I just want you to remember this phrase. Brandon always tells me that titles are the hardest, and so I kept coming up with these weird ones. He's like, that's a thesis statement. I was like, I don't know. I'm an English person, I don't know. Um, But the goal today is that we don't lose our minds and honestly, just remaining single-minded, single-focused. So um, what I want to talk about first, I felt like I was in prayer a couple weeks ago, probably late in the midnight hour, um, and the words that the Lord spoke to me were divided mind. And that's all I had. (laughs) I was thinking, I'm going to turn into a berry and be up at three with two words and not know what to do with myself. But the more that I spent time with the Lord about it, he spoke to me. And in scripture, what you see with that phrase is the word double-minded. Have you seen that before? So we're going to talk about that this morning and how we can keep our minds singular focused on the goal. That we can give all that we have and keep the mission the main thing. That we give glory to Jesus. That he would know that he is our first love. That people would know that he is our first love. So we want to be singular focused, not distracted by the things of this world. Amen? Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's look at James 1, 5 through 8. If we have that on the screen, let's hit that. Um, But if any of you lacks wisdom, I love this, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So it starts out really encouraging, because you can ask for wisdom, and it's literally saying, without reproach, the Lord will give it to you. But you have to have faith, because if you don't, this comparison that James offers us is really interesting to me. I like a good, healthy illustration or comparison for my mind to wrap around something. And he talks about the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's what you are if you're not full of faith. If you're double-minded, you're considered like that. And in Florida, how many of you guys have been to the beach? Love the beach or beach people? If you surf, that's a whole other level. But those waves are everything. And what's amazing You ever just think about creation and how it works is that the wind is completely controlling everything that's happening with those waves. And they're so mighty and they're so strong, but they are. They're like tossed around. They're not able to do anything on their own. They're completely controlled by their environment. Do you get where I'm going with this? That person who is tossed around like the surf of the sea 
is completely controlled by their environment. We don't want to be that person. Whatever's happening around here, in the same way that that wind hits the water and forces it forward, some of us, if it's a rough day at the office and we have a promise of God spoken over our lives, our faith, maybe it started out here. Boss says something rude to us, it's down here. We're completely controlled by our environment. That's not what James is telling us in the scripture we're supposed to be. That's double-mindedness. We need to be singular focused. Even when Enrico was talking and sharing his testimony, some of the things in the natural that were happening would make me want to quit if I'm just in my natural, logical mind. Like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. But no, he knew in faith the Lord had spoken to him and promised him things about this trip. And did you see what happened? In the moments where it felt like it wasn't going to happen, the Lord came through, and he honored his faith. So, you guys know the story of Peter. When he walks out on the waves, notice that when he begins to sink, when he takes his eyes off Jesus and notices the waves, it's because he's responding to the environment around him. He's walking towards Jesus. He's full of faith. He's confident. Jesus. Jesus, I know that's you. I'm going to do the same thing you're doing because I have full faith in you. Then he looks at his environment and goes, oh, crap. Can I say that? Sorry. Okay. Not as bad. Okay. Um, I feel like you've said things like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Okay, um, but uh, come back. Holy Spirit, come back. Um, are you persuaded by what's happening in the natural? Does, does that affect the level of your, your faith tank? Um, it's easy to be in a church service, and, we, and this is actually the beauty of the church, so I am not slamming this. When we're all together and we're praying, and you have that appointment at the doctor's office that you're nervous about, do you know how much faith you can get from other believers being in unity and agreeing with you? That is so beautiful. We love that. In worship, when you feel that faith rise in the room, when you came in downcast, but then you turn your eyes on Jesus, your faith rises when we're all together in unity. as a church, but when you leave this building and you're by yourself, what is your faith level like? If, is it affected by your environment? So if we're trying to figure out what my first point was, if you lost me in that, my first point is, number one, a double-minded man lacks faith. So we're just kind of uncovering what this means. It's, don't let your environment control your level of faith. Number two, a double-minded man takes pleasure in sin. James 4, if you want to turn with there or put it on the screen or whatever makes you happy. Well, it's probably not good either. But James 4, 7 through 8. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And cleanse your hands you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what we're saying here, or what he's saying, James is saying, plainly put, sinners 
others are double-minded. Their focus and their desires are not solely for the Lord. They're conflicted. So when I was looking at this, the New Living Translation version of this actually says, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Nobody likes that. Well, I actually felt convicted whenever I was reading this because I was like, God, this is a really good point, but I, I feel like I know a lot of these people at this church, and I don't think that a lot of us are struggling with sin in the room, but I felt the conviction and the unction of the Holy Spirit to still put this out there to you because I think that I'd be foolish. should not think there's someone in the room that is struggling with sin right now. So I'm going to put this out there to you. A double-minded man takes pleasure in sin. And if you are taking pleasure in sin and you know it because you feel that conviction in your heart, plainly put, that's displeasing to God. You realize that's what he sacrificed his son for. He hates sin, and, and we sing these songs, and we say these things, and we ask the Lord, God, I want to hate what you hate and love what you love. Do we mean that? Some things I felt like the Lord um, put in my head, I'm just going to put this out there to you and just obey the Lord. We don't want to be a double-minded person that dabbles in sin or is fully in sin. But even a, a few years ago, we had Wednesday night series where we talked about pornography, and we went into that we met in groups and we held each other accountable in those areas, and uh, men and women, just to put this out there, are affected by this. If you have a mindset where you're like, well, everybody struggles with that at some point in their life, it's just normal. No. No, you have control over sin. And you're getting a desire from something that is not holy and unto the Lord. So you need to unplug from that source. And if you need accountability, there's plenty of people in the church that would love to help you in that. But we are going to hold each other accountable in these areas and not be double-minded, taking pleasure in sin. And you know, you know who you are, men and women. So I'm not just saying men. I, I know the truth on this. Another example is, and I think a lot of us could relate to this, is gossip. I'm just going to give you a couple. There's a bunch of sins. You guys know what sin is. <laughs> okay. But gossip is one where it can be a little tricky. Sometimes you're like, am I sharing information? Is this too much? Am I praying for this person? I think you know when the motives of your heart are just like you want to get this power base and you want to share information with someone and it's, it's really putting them down. It does nothing to lift them up. And so that's something I just want to challenge us. I feel like those two particular things came to mind. Being careful with our words and what we say. And it's not like you're lying, but sometimes there's things that don't need need to be shared. It's not for everyone. And there's other times where you know that the heart motive is just to tear someone down. So let's just challenge our hearts and our mouths. Um, it says in Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of a man, you guys probably know this, are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And a double-minded man, number two, my point is, it takes pleasure in sin. So Lord, weigh our heart's motives this morning because we want to please you. My last point for what a double-minded man is, according to Scripture, 
it, a double-minded man is torn between money or material things and God. This one's really close to my heart. I feel like we've hit this as a church more recently, even like where our heart's affection is or things that we need to give up to be closer to the Lord. In Matthew 6, 24, if you want to put that one up there, no one can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's pretty plain and simple there. You cannot serve God and wealth. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to paraphrase. You guys know the story of the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus. I'll just paraphrase it again for you. And he says, what else can I do to obtain eternal life? What good thing can I do? And Jesus goes through and he lists some of the main commandments. He's like, you know, you don't murder. You honor your father and mother. He goes down the list. And the rich young ruler looks at him and goes, but isn't there something else? I've done all of that. What, what else can I do to ensure that I have eternal life? And you guys know this story, but he can't give up his wealth. Jesus tells him, sell everything you have and give it away. And then, then you can completely follow me and, and have eternal life. And he couldn't do it. That was his main crutch. He's like, I, I find security in my wealth in the things that I can have at my fingertips. Um, most of you are familiar with the warnings to the seven churches. In Revelation, you may not know them verbatim. That's fine. I'm going to help you. So in Revelation 3, there is a church called Laodicea, and it had become lukewarm. You guys always you hear that phrase? People in the charismatic church love this one. <laughs> so they'll be like, you're either, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're disgusting. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm not mocking scripture. You just hear that a lot with, with the charismatic people. They love to say this phrase. But it's, it's true. Jesus is disgusted that you're not one way or the other. I know it's a strong phrase, okay? But one thing about this church, he, and Jesus says this, um, I'm paraphrasing, he said they've become spiritually self-sufficient and found no need for Christ. They were wealthy. They didn't need him. Doesn't that make you think about America and the culture that we live in? I'm challenging myself here, guys. Like, we have everything we need at our fingertips. Some of you guys are like, man, I didn't find any good deals on Black Friday. What a terrible day. Like, what? Is that really? I mean, I, I understand. I do. I'm an American over here, so I get it. But I just want us to take our mindsets and be willing to shift because we don't want to be double-minded and so comfortable with our culture and our wealth and our security and our things that we have no more room for him. And I know that Barry's already said it the other week. Brandon already said it the other week. We've all been hitting this. And it's been really challenging. I've been talking with the team about this. Um, some of the songs that we sing, um, the team can vouch for me, but some of these songs will say things like, I want to get lost in you, for you're my obsession. I've talked with you, Chris, about this before. It's such a strong phrase, and I want to mean that. So I just challenge myself, man, like that is, that's heavy. The Lord is my obsession. That phrase, um, things like the word love. 
lovesick. You've heard that before? Kind of a Song of Solomon phrase. We're lovesick for the Lord. That's intense. That's passionate. That's on the forefront of our minds all the time, like can't get over it. It's almost like you're OCD on Jesus, you know? Like you just can't get, which I want to (laughs) be. Like you can't get rid of that. Um, That old song for some of you guys, the older generation, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. That one? I feel like Randy. Where's Randy? He's probably... I don't know where he's at, but I needed him in that moment. Um, But you're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. I want to mean that phrase when I sing these things and not just spit out empty words, guys. I feel like... There's something culturally cool to sing these things and say these things in the church, but I I just feel challenged personally, and I know that I'm a worship leader, so I just give this to you as well, that I want to mean that I am not a double-minded person. That when I say those phrases, that Jesus is more important to me than my security. He's more important to me than my safety, my comforts. If he asked me to give everything away, I pray that I would do that. I feel like I would. But I want us to all be in that same place where we're not like the rich young ruler, that we don't want to give up our security. So when you go home today, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with vegging, always, okay? But if you're like, my main focus is not Jesus when I go home or when I, like, I turn to my phone more, or I turn to comforts of this world, tell yourself, I'm not going to be a double-minded man. So my third point there, a double-minded man is torn between money or material things and God. Y'all tracking with me? Okay. All right. So we're going to flip to the more positive here, because what do we do, Allison? What do we do if we're double-minded? All right, I'm going to to tell you. So three keys to becoming single-minded. In other words, not losing your mind. Amen? Y'all are like, she's already lost her mind. It's fine. Okay, number one, meditate on the word. I'm not being cliche. There is power in the word of God. There is so much power. I recognize it in myself when I'm more consistent that it comes out of me. My whole mood changes because it's in me. It's, it's so powerful. I see it. The more consistent I am in it, the more that I see that. And when there's been a day that I've slacked, I feel that. You know, I, I feel like I'm edgier, you know, like someone approaches you and like just your natural man comes out. We don't want that wisdom. We want heavenly wisdom. Amen? Okay, so Psalm 119, 113. I hate those who are double-minded. This is David. But I love your law. Okay. So he doesn't want to be double-minded, and he hates it when people act in that way, but he loves the word. Psalm 1, 1 through 2 said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. It's beautiful. I want to I train my mind to act that way if I'm feeling anxious, to go, okay, but you said, Lord, in your word, you said that you don't withhold any good thing from those who walk righteously with you. 
And so that comes out of me when I'm feeling discouraged and I feel like there's bad things around me. But because I have that already, that tool inside of me, it comes out in those moments. Let it get, come in, let it go out. We've gotten creative with this. If you're a woman and you went to the women's event they had recently with the workshops, Carissa, I'm actually gonna call you out here for a second. But she, you've seen Carissa do the demonstrations, um, kind of dramas, and she'll take scripture and she'll bring it to life. And it's beautiful. You guys have seen these before, some of you? It's absolutely incredible, it's art. And um, when she was teaching her class, she just gave really practical ideas for getting the word inside of you. So even, I, I mean, honestly, you should read it. That shouldn't, there shouldn't be an excuse for not reading it. But you can have audio Bible. They have like a hip-hop version that you can put on. They have like Morgan Freeman's voice that you can listen to, and I'll just read the whole Bible. It sounds like God's talking to you directly. I mean, there are ways, okay, to get that inside of you, <laughs> to have the scripture inside of you. Another cool thing that um, I heard a, a lady, um, is she here, Melanie? I don't know. Mark's here, he's on camera. Am I supposed to look at you, Mark, when I say that, since you're on camera? Okay. And all of you. On live stream, no. Melanie um, was giving an idea about how with her kids, they'll put temporary tattoos on with like the first letter of some of the words in scripture, and then they help, they look at them and they, mem- they say the scripture. And I was like, I'm going to start wearing temporary tattoos <laughs> with scripture, like the first letter. So if you guys see me with like TTJW or something, you'll know what I'm doing, okay? But there are practical ways to get the word inside of you and to do it with your family and with your kids and include them in that as well. Um, let's see here. Philippians 4, I'm going to paraphrase, it says, finally, brothers, think on things that are good, lovely, pure, admirable. You've you've heard this verse. Those are the things that we need to meditate on, that we need to dwell and train our minds to focus on, which is really hard. Whenever the atmosphere around you, the environment is speaking the absolute opposite of that. Um, I remember Barry you had a wrestle, and this always challenged me, um, where you were talking to us about what percentage, if you had to go around, picture this, in the body of Christ, that everyone you saw had a percentage over their head of how much their mind is on things of above, compared to how much we're on focus on what's happening around us, like in our day-to-day world. It's convicting, right? I want to be like, yes, 90% focused on what's really happening. But isn't that hard? That can be a challenge. But if we get the word inside of us, I believe those things start to shift, and little by little we're being perfected and made to look like Jesus. He's our helper. He helps in these situations. So number one, meditate on the word um, so you don't lose your mind. And one more thing, I have this example. So there's this, um, there's this show, I think it's on Disney+, Plus, but it has... Um, Chris Hemsworth? Thor. You guys know Thor? Okay. So he's like doing these challenges. I was really intrigued by it. And um, he's like training his mind to be able to do really difficult things. So, for example, by the end of it, he knows at the beginning of his training with his trainer that he's going to have to walk a like tightrope beam thing, 900 feet in the air. 900 feet in the air. That's disgusting if you're afraid of heights, okay? And he's going to be roped on it, but he just has to be able to do it and keep his heart rate under 100. I'm like, oh, heck no. 
There is no way you'd find me on the top of a 900-foot building walking across some skinny thing and back and be able to keep my heart rate down. But he trains his mind, and he works, and he uses these exercises with breathing to help him. And the whole point of me even sharing any of this with you, by the end of it, he is a champion. He's able to walk across that confidently and literally just be like, no big deal, even though he sees everything so far below. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me just in watching this, that we have a trainer, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he equips us for things we don't think we can do. (laughs) And his manual that he uses to train us is the word. So we have the Holy Spirit prompting us, reminding us in situations how to be singular focused on him. So number one, meditate on the word. Number two, y'all still with me? We good? All right, develop a healthy fear of the Lord. Develop a healthy fear of the Lord. This is so we don't lose our minds, so we stay singular focused. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 16.6 says, By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Isn't that powerful? When I say fear, I, I don't want to assume we just know what that means. Not like you're scared but a healthy reverence, a healthy awareness of how great he is in comparison to us, that he could just, and everything would be gone. He is almighty, holy God. That's the kind of fear we're talking about here. Psalm 86, 11, it says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So, at the end of the day, in my life, I want the Lord to look at me one day and say, Allison, you feared me well. You honored my name well. Not like, you did a really good job with that worship leading assignment, like, good job, you led people really well. I think that's part of it. I think he puts those things and those dreams in our hearts. But at the end of the day, if I can look at Jesus and he's going to tell me that he's pleased with how I honored him with my life, with how I glorified him with my life, that's it. That's all I need. That's it. And maybe it's just me in the parenting world, probably. But I feel like you can tell when kids have a healthy fear of disappointing their parents. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're more, they're willing to sacrifice some of their wants. I know we're training them, so some kids have a stronger personality than others. Believe me, I get it. I have three of them. But you can tell as parents sometimes when you look, or you look at other people and their kids, that there's this like, at least they have a healthy, I don't want to disappoint mom and dad, 
or a healthy like mom and dad are over me and I need to listen to them. And so I kind of think of that with us too. There needs to be a healthy fear of God inside of us. It's good. It keeps us from getting crazy. It keeps those kids from getting crazy. You know, like we have to reel them in. There has to be some, some boundary walls. But when we look at God and we recognize how great he is, that does something inside of us. Um, so with God, it should be even more so. And yes, he's good. God is really good. And his eyes are full of compassion and of love so much that he sent his son. But he's also holy and, and really, really worthy of everything that we can have to give him. Just kind of let that sit for a second, but we serve a really, the most holy God. So number two, we need to develop a healthy fear of the Lord where he is our one desire. And if that's the case, then sin we can overcome temptation easily because we don't want to displease him. We want to honor him. Number three, practice radical faith. Come on, somebody. I thought of you, Sam, actually. I did. Um, I like seeing your stories where you pray for people. It's inspiring. I love it. It's good because it challenges us in a healthy way what we should be doing. Amen? Um, so in our giving, in hearing the voice of God, in obedience, in praying for people, in stepping out, um, let's go back to that first scripture in James 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubt, doubting, because we don't want to be like the surf tossed around. For that man ought to not respect, expect anything that he'll receive from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Um, so we want this kind of faith. God says he's going to supply it too if we ask him that the wisdom of God will come on us and we'll have that kind of faith. How many of you guys love Heidi Baker? You've heard of her? So if you don't know her, she's a missionary to Mozambique, she and her husband. And um, her story, just the beginning of it, I feel like the Holy Spirit brought to mind whenever I was thinking about faith and an increase of faith. Um, the Toronto outpouring was happening and she just got touched like incredibly by the power of God in one of these outpourings. And like her whole body was affected. She even said she couldn't go to the bathroom by herself for a week and she was incredibly humbled. Like how embarrassing is that? Like next level. And she's like, God, why did you do this to me? And he's like, so you would have dependency on my church? That you would know you need people? That's what he told her. I was like, come on, that's a side tangent. But anyways, um, he promised her though, when she encountered him, that she would see blind eyes opened and deaf ears healed. And I love this because when I was reading her book a few years ago, it said that she prayed every time she'd have a crusade. Like, it like, makes me think of you, Dave. Like, having a crusade, like, anyone who's deaf, come forward. Anyone who's blind, come forward. We're going to pray for you because God is here today, and he has the power to heal you. And they would come forward, and it didn't happen. And so then she wasn't discouraged. Second time, she's out there. She's like, God promised me. And she felt it. Like, if you can't go to the bathroom by yourself because you've encountered Jesus so strong, like, you can't tell me that that's not God speaking to her, saying that this is going to happen. Second time, same thing. She called them all forward. Didn't see any healings. It says it took about 20 times 
20 times for her to see God. I don't know why I'm encouraged by that. Y'all are like, that's terrible. Thank you, Sam. Okay, but I'm like, no, like her faith never dwindled. Like she, the 20th time, they came forward and eyes were open that had never seen before and deaf ears were healed. And so I just, I want to encourage us this morning. I think sometimes we're in a like minute to win it culture and, and the American church or like drive through service. Like, you know what? I get frustrated when Chick-fil-A takes too long because they're supposed to be the best, you know? This is five minutes. I thought it was supposed to be three, but that we live in that fast pace, like go, go, go mindset. And the Lord is like, no, keep on, try again, keep going. If you don't see it the first time, Try again. Be encouraged. I promise this will happen. So in this last point here, I think I, I felt this really strong. Even um, a friend of mine who's not here, who's on the worship team that we love dearly, Trey Brennan, I told him I was going to talk about him. He's always had a dream in his heart to have a metal band called Seven Surrender. Okay? If you guys haven't heard their music, shameless plug, not really. Go ahead and put that in your phone and look it up later. Seven surrender, because he really, and I believe this, if you know Trey, you can feel the purity in his heart when he says this, am I right? Yeah, where he's like, I just want people that wouldn't normally come into a church to hear these, these words, like if you're playing and singing about Jesus, and you're in the street or in a club, and then they encounter Jesus, and then they find him. He's like, I want them to use this music, and I have this heart just for people to know him, and I want to use this gift that I have, and if you ever heard him play, like I know you've heard him play worship music, like, it's beautiful, but if you've ever heard him play metal, it's like, okay? It's insane. It's really, really good. So, I just, I really honor Trey because I've seen him in seasons because he's usually working on a house or doing something, his job. He has a job. He has a wife, you know? Like, he has to do what he has to do, and he has this promise from God. And I've seen him in seasons where that hasn't gone gone exactly as expected. In fact, he's had different band members not be able to commit for different reasons for years. But now, like, he's got this band formed with Justin and Carissa and Knowledge and I'm, am I forgetting anyone? Maybe we prophesy. I can't say that. Um, maybe another person. <laughs> and they're, go they're putting these songs together and they are really encouraged, and they're going to start having shows in the new year and getting out there and evangelizing for the name of Jesus through their music. Isn't that amazing? But the point I'm trying to say here is Trey has had faith the whole time. I've seen him, like, where he comes in extremely tired from work, just, like, exhausted in seasons, or he even considered that they were supposed to move somewhere, but he's never given up on this dream from God. It's been really tempting. So I just want to encourage you this morning, and my point with number three, in not losing our minds— we have to have radical faith. We have to practice it. We have to believe that some of the prophetic words that God has spoken over our lives will come to fruition and that God's timing is perfect. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.